Welcome to Group Talk. Four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Leadership Journey with Bill Search. Well, welcome back to the Leadership Journey. I'm your guide through this journey, Bill Search, and I'm joined today. I'm thrilled to be joined today by really one of the men in ministry that has mentored me both from afar but up close, a man I've looked up to for many, many years, uh, Mel Lorenz. Mel has served as the a pastor, a senior associate pastor, the senior pastor, pastor emeritus, now teaching pastor, 40-year ministry run at Elmbrook, which is a suburb in a suburb of Milwaukee, a suburb, uh, Brookfield, Waukesha. If you ever have a chance to stop by, you should. Mel's a prolific author. He's got a great mind. He's got a great gift of teaching and great love for the church. So Mel, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to be with us on the leadership journey today. Mel, you are a prolific author. Uh, one of the things that always amazes me is if you're not writing a blog or you're teaching something, you're writing a book. And uh, towards the end of last year, you wrote a book called A Better Year Ahead? Question mark. And that was really um, uh, almost prophetic, wasn't it? A better year ahead? And uh, so here we are at the start of 2021, and just when we thought last year was kind of crazy, this year had its own dramatic moments, and we're not even going to talk about them. If anyone's curious, they can watch the news. But um, now, first of all, I want to hear what you know inspired you to write this book. It was conversations with people. I mean, I uh, it started to get almost amusing how many people I would talk to, and they'd say. Uh, Oh man, I can't wait for 2020 to be done. Or 2020 was such a bear. I just can't wait for 2021. And uh, so I thought, you know, it's it's kind of a teachable moment. 2020 did have this confluence of different difficulties, challenges, global crises, um, and um, maybe people are looking for hope. So the subtitle of the book is "Opening Our Eyes to Hope." So we crossed the year into January 1st, and the first call I got on January 1st was a longtime friend who, who took her own life. And I mm. thought, okay, this is 2021. And then uh, what was happening with the COVID spread was going on. And so it is, it is with a question mark, Bill, a better year ahead question mark. And the big idea of the book is that there are things that we cannot control and we're going to have to cope with. And so maybe better, maybe not, but the things that we can control, which involve our choices, that's what can make this upcoming year a better year. Well, you, you really highlight, you have several things you highlight in the book. And I, for the sake of our podcast, we're just going to dive into a few of them. And I'm struck with each one of them, but just sort of to focus in on one of them to start us off in this dialogue is you start with the idea of taking one day at a time. And uh, I'm I, since I was in college, people would tease me about having my century at a glance. I'm always sort of like planning next year, uh, 10 years down the road. I turned 50 this summer, and I think of when I turned 60, I'm already thinking about that one. So you know, some of us are planners ahead. Some of us are, you know, fly by the seat of our pants. But 
first of all, what does it even mean to take one day at a time? And along with that, how, how do we how do we even do that? Yeah. Well, generally, I dislike cliches and I avoid cliches because they're generally a lazy way for us to describe reality unless it is absolutely true. And um, what I've learned in my life, the ups and the downs, is that um, really having a radical commitment to the present is so important. Now, I learned this the hard way in recent years and that three and a half years ago, our 30-year-old daughter suddenly passed away and my wife and I and son were plunged into crisis and traumatic grief. She had been ill, but not terminally ill. Um, but one day she collapsed and, and she was gone. And those early weeks involved um, a lot of fear and panic and, and um, anxiety. And what I found, Bill, is that um, in those weeks and early months, when I thought about the past, it was so painful. Because even when I thought about good memories, I thought, well, memory making is done with our daughter. And then when I thought about the future, it was quite terrifying. Like, how are we going to get through Christmas? Uh, how is our small family going to survive this? But I could handle the present. And what I mean by the present under those circumstances is not just every day, but every hour of every day. And, and the big idea that I came away with, or it's a whole attitude toward life, is that I can handle today. But ultimately, today is the only thing that's real. The past is done. The future is entirely hypothetical. The reality that we live is the present moment. And boy, I'm applying that in church life and in life mm. all over the place. It's so true. I, you know, it's, it, thank you for that reminder because it is funny. We, we can be nostalgic about the past, but we cannot rewind the tape and live in it. And we can enjoy the memories or, or not like the memories, but, but we can't get back there. And to your point, the future is hypothetical. Well, what we have now, and how many of us ruin now living in the past or yearning for something future? So, you know, that, that is a great reminder. And by the way, for those listening, Mel's book, uh, he shares this. Uh, it's called A Chronicle of Grief, Finding Life After Traumatic Loss. And Mel, some point later, I want to get you back on this podcast to talk about when grief visits your group. But thank you for sharing that. And for those listening, make sure you can pop that on Amazon and get that book. It's a, it's a tremendous resource to those who've gone through that. So thank you for that reminder of living, living today. Now, one of the other big ideas that you draw out in this book is the importance of treating others with respect. And I almost, when I read that, I, I just kind of chuckled to myself and you're laughing now because it just seems like respect is, uh, uh, of others uh, is in very short supply. Why is this so difficult? Why did we laugh, you know, about this? And then, and really, how do we start in our own lives, in our own neighborhood, showing respect to those closest to us? What is, what would that look like? Yeah, I love, I love talking about this topic. And uh, I don't know why our our culture is getting coarser and coarser. And that's, that's the way I view it. It's, it's a coarseness. Some of it is laziness. It, it, it takes work to treat each other with respect. It takes restraint to not just sound off on social media. And so maybe 
maybe we're just getting lazier as a culture. But uh, I, I know that every person wants to be respected by others. And so if we want to be respected, we should show respect. But what I love about the concept is the, the English word respect, uh, you see the word spect in there, which is the Latin word for to see. So to respect literally means to take another look. So when I meet somebody for the first time, they get first impressions of me. I hope that they don't leave it there because first impressions are always partial and first impressions are sometimes misleading. But when I talk to the person a second time and a third time and a fourth time, when they can take another look and take another look and take another look, they will understand me more and more and vice versa, the people that I encounter. When I take another look, take another look. So if somebody tells me about a struggle that they have in life and I can't identify with it at all, it's just nowhere near what I've experienced. If I take another look and take another look, I may be able to understand somebody whose life story is entirely different from mine. And of course, this fits into the great commandment, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Reverence and respect go hand in hand. If we have reverence for God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then we will have to have respect for each other. And the world will be a different place if we if we upped our respect ratio by, by, by a good chunk, especially in the church. You know, it makes me think of an old adage. I can't remember where I first read it, but uh, the idea of seek to understand, not to judge. And there maybe there's just something in our own tradition that jumps to judgment. But sometimes when I meet somebody, you're right, I snap to a judgment. And mm-hmm. whether that judgment is a like, I really think they're great people, or I think they're not great people. And instead, what I ought to do is take another look. Yep. I like that. That's yep. another yeah, respect. Respect. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I mean, you know, as you're saying this, I'm thinking, I can't think of an example where Jesus showed anything but respect people, whether it was Pontius Pilate, Nicodemus, woman at the well, his own disciples, he might have had harsh words, but it was always, the tone was always respectful. Sure. Well, respect doesn't mean that you look at every other person through rose-colored glasses. It's not that you're covering over um, our our faults. It's it's a matter of being realistic. But even then, when you know, let's say in a marriage, you, you got some husbands or wives they're always picking at each other. They're, they're pointing out what's wrong and things may be wrong, but respect means um, forbearance and, and forgiveness. And I would also point to listeners, Bill, because uh, of our life in the church together, think about the scandals that have come out in recent years of church leaders, maybe not, maybe not sexual misconduct, but abuse of power. Um, this is a story that, we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg because there are many, many people who are Christian leaders that their mode of operation is really to um, get their way by manhandling people. And it's the opposite of respect. What a great reminder that if we lead with respect, then even the accusation of, of manipulating other people, we, if you respect somebody, you're not going to manipulate them. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to be abusive psychologically or physically if you respect them. But if mm. you don't have respect for them, then, then in some regard, you feel like you have the right, you're entitled to treat them 
poorly. And in some, so many ways, it seems like what we've done in our current culture, you, you mentioned that there's like a crassness or a vulgarity in our culture towards people is that we've dehumanized other people. And if they're not human to us, if they're not redeemable to us, if they if they aren't quite made in God's image, then we can treat them really like animals. And that's not good theology. That's definitely not biblical. Oh my gosh. It's it, it, well, it, it, it violates the great commandment. Right. All right. So uh, I, we could talk about this one issue the whole time, but uh, so we don't run out of time. Uh, let me move us along. You, you, towards the end, I think it's partway towards the end of, of your work here, your new work here. You talk about the importance um, of renewing your faith. And uh, if you've been around the church any length of time, you some some of us will have church services that are renewal type services or rededication services. You know, I think of my like camp days as a kid. It would seem like you were until everybody rededicated their life. Nobody could get on the bus and go home. But uh, as we get older, we sort of forget we need renewal. And uh, you're talking here on this podcast to a lot of pastors, small group leaders, I guess the real question there, how, how is it that our faith just over time needs that renewal because it, it maybe grows stale? How does that, how do we even kind of grow stale in the faith? Probably because we, we make assumptions about it. We don't grow it. We don't, we don't deepen it. Um, the reason why I have these three chapters in the book, Faith, Hope, and Love, is because the question is a better year ahead question mark. Everything is changing in life. Everything is open to change in life. But when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 through 13, 13, these three things remain faith, hope, and love. I'm telling people these days, this is what we need. These are the immovable things of our lives, but because they're rooted in God. So faith is about being anchored to something greater than yourself. And faith is something that builds up over time. Maybe we don't renew faith, Bill, or we need to be conscious about renewing faith is because we think about faith as something in the past, like when I came to believe or when I came to a different level of belief. But of course, our faith um, can deepen and must deepen and must grow wider all the time. Um, I think we need to be enthused about what happened in the past when we came to faith but then how that faith can go to a whole new level. And that's one reason why one of the great classics is J.I. Packer's Knowing God, because why is it that it is one of the modern books that is read over and over? It's because you're, you're re-anchoring yourself in the, in the reality of God. And then hope is this, hope, hope looks to the future. Faith, faith is about the past, but hope draws us into the future. So how would I, like, I just think of, I can get into a routine, I can show up to church, I can be a pastor, and I can feel, you know, like a pretty good person because I don't do a lot of worldly stuff and I'm surrounded by several different leather-covered Bibles, you know. But how do I keep my faith really renewed? day by day or fresh day um, by day. What, what, what have you found personally helpful, especially, and, and here's what I'm thinking is, 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 is a season goes along when you're young, you're maybe fired up, but you hit sort of that midlife or that later midlife where mm. you can start to get into routines that are good routines, but yet 
the faith lacks certain, well, enthusiasm for sure. lack of a better word. How, what have you done to sort of, sort of every now and then just sort of turn the soil and refresh yourself? Um, I think by being a lifelong learner, of course, we know disciple means learner and discipleship sometimes gets fossilized into a few functions. That's not what discipleship mm-hmm. is. But I think that if we say, what more do I have to learn this year? What new thing? What new discovery? What new vista? Now, that can come from meeting new and different people. And I've loved over the years getting to know people from different cultures. What do I have to learn? How can I be a lifelong learner? What's a Christian author that I've never read before? I've always been meaning to read such and such, but I've never gotten around to it. Um, Malcolm Gladwell, the... the, uh, 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 successful author, journalist. He, he describes himself as uh, curious about everything. Hmm. And I, I think that that's a good principle for believers is, are you curious? Are you a curious person? Do you want to learn something more? If not, ask yourself why you're not. But if you are a curious person, then turn your curiosity to new things that you've never you've never read about before, You've never experienced before people that you've never met before, and um, and I find that very exciting. Well, that you know, that is interesting because uh, you know, as you said that, I was thinking of one of the things I did last year. I, I, I read a lot of books, particularly I listen to a lot of books on Audible, and uh, and I decided to take a tour of dead authors last year. And mm-hmm. so I thought I'll read classics, J.C. Ryle, British from the you know, 19th century. And, and, uh, I read a lot of, or listened to a lot of C.S. Lewis. I hadn't, uh, listened to before, read before, uh, G.K. Chesterton. And it did a couple things for me is one is it sort of, um, broke up the soil because they write at a very deep level, you know, it's, there's a lot of really popular authors today that are easy to read in a short weekend. And these guys are, you know, they're rich. But it, it did something. It gave me a different perspective. It reminded me of the longevity of the Christian faith, the richness of the Christian faith. And I found my rear kicked a whole bunch because I had grown complacent in areas that our whole culture is complacent in. And uh, I found their perspective very fresh. And so I like that, that continually learning is that there is a season where maybe the pop authors mean a great deal to you. I think early in my Christian walk, I was reading what a lot of people were reading that was very popular at the time, which was good stuff and is still good stuff. But, but if I was still on a diet of that, I, I might grow a little jaded by that, but yeah. by going on that continuing learning. And, and the other thing I did last year was I memorized the Nicene Creed. I grew up uh, Baptist and Lutheran. And so, but I had never read or memorized Nicene Creed. I left the, the Lutheran school before we had to memorize that one. And, uh, and I love it. I've, I'm committed it to memory and it's, it's sort of just like when I'm just sitting and bored rather than look down at my phone in my, I recite the Nicene Creed and I have found the, like it, it's actually elevated my prayer life. Just thinking about the Trinity in those specific terms. So, mm-hmm. and I, now that you mentioned about renewal of faith, I, I, I have found a freshness in my faith this past year. And I, I bet that has a a part to play in all that. So, mm-hmm. thank, you know, thanks for that. That's very practical, Mel. I appreciate that. Well, and you mentioned audiobooks. I, I know pastors, you know, we, 
we get tired of holding books in our hands, but I, I love audiobooks. For me, history books, I love it on audio and then podcasts. I mean, podcasts yeah. are very popular, but select good ones, not not just the ones yeah. that you've always listened to. Like right. like like this podcast, Bill, yeah, obviously. I was just thinking of this podcast. <laughs> So wise, Mel. So wise. And uh, okay, so there's one other. Uh, you you mentioned it already. You you built the book around faith, hope, love, and uh, it's that last one. Is as I was, you know, sort of reflecting on on your writing here in this in this new book, is uh, the idea of just recommitting to love. And this one hit me because I realized after 20 plus years of being a pastor, is there is a profession to this that you can become you know, a tactician, you can be a professional, you can learn how to do the work, you can do it out of talent. Um, you, you might still in the process, let's hope, love God and, and mean well, but you can kind of slide out of a love, like an intimate love with God, and you can really slide out of a love for people. And so this idea of recommitting to love, one is that just a broad question is, what did you mean by that? You know, like unpack that a little bit and, uh, and maybe even some self-reflection. How do I know when I'm operating in a loving way or not in a loving way? Mm -hmm. Well, again, um, the great commandment, love the Lord, your God and, and love your neighbor as yourself. First Corinthians 13, 13, these three things remain, but the greatest is love. So it's right there in front of us. Jesus, a new commandment I leave with you, love, love one another. Um, I think for people in, in ministry, um, one of the things we need to look at is if we've gotten compassion fatigue, um, that's a, that's a, a difficult one when somebody said, you know, I've been giving and giving and I realize that my heart isn't as warm as what it used to be. It's not as, it's not as soft as it used to be. I'm finding myself being harsher in my opinions and judgments. And uh, somebody in ministry needs to um, find out, you know, how to kind of um, catch your breath in that way. For others, it's, um, you know, maybe, maybe your temperament is not such that um, the soft touch comes naturally to you. People are wired differently, but, uh, <laughs> Two pastors that I've worked with over the years who who started out in one form of one profession, but they became uh, pastors of pastoral care when nobody thought of them in that way. Nobody thought of them in that way. One was a uh, was a uh, an educator and a district superintendent of schools. Another another was a music pastor. But in the latter career, they became uh, pastoral care, and and it it's. It shows to me that any believer can say, um, I need to move into a phase where love really does take the preeminent place that it must in character and behavior. And whatever else I do today, if, if you know, people may be impressed by if I accomplish this or accomplish that, but the only thing that will really endure is if what we accomplish are many acts of compassion, grace, mercy, patience, forbearance, and overt care for each other, which is what love is. It's as if that New Testament is telling the truth. 
that uh, what really endures is the the facets of ministry that are ministry that are all rooted in love. So that's it, Mel. It's a great reminder, I, and especially in our modern era, that in the specialization of the church, I've heard pastors that is m- m- people who have the title pastor brag about saying, I mean, I've heard guys, you've heard them too, I'm sure, saying, oh, look, I'm not a pastor. You know, we outsource that. Or we have these people pastor. And uh, and they're not sort of just giving encouragement to the pastoral care people. They're literally saying, I don't really care about people, which I've heard that. And I've, I'm just sort of jaw on the ground kind of going, How? well, then you better find something else to do. Because if you don't love people. I mean, and we can all go through seasons, as you mentioned, of compassion fatigue. But if you live there and uh, and I I tell people there's a big difference between um, a healthy degree of of skepticism and just being uh, cynical and jaded. And if you get to that point, get help. But you don't live there. That's not it's not virtuous to say, look, I'm good at these things and I don't really have to be good at loving that's not going to be, that's not, that's well, not going to be, God, God's not going to be impressed no matter we, how great your sermon is. If you go, I don't really like these people, but I sure am talented. Yeah. No. We need to take a walk with Peter and Jesus, mm. John 21, where Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me, Peter? And of course, Jesus responds each time is, is about challenging Peter, which is the print, which is the, the, the model, the paradigm of a Christian leader, but, but of, of an ordinary believer too. Then, uh, then take care of each other, feed each other, um, protect each other, love each other. Uh, I don't see how any of us can conceive of standing before God and saying, you know, I just didn't think that was that important. <laughs> yeah, I know you are into love, God. You're God. But uh, for me, yeah. yeah, I don't think that'll sell. Well, Mel, I can't thank you enough for carving out the time. If someone wants to either uh, learn more about your writings or your various recordings, teaching, what would be an easy way for them to find you? Sure. Um, Read a bunch of books. So if you just look at my name in in Amazon, author page, Lorenz is the last name, L-A-W-R-E-N-Z. I also have a blog site with other resources called The Brook Network. And that is thebrooknetwork.org. And that's Brook without an E at the end of Brook, right? Sometimes that's people right. put an E at the end. Okay. That's Brooke right. Network. Okay. It's based on Proverbs 18.4, which says the fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. And in an age when we're looking at streaming information and streaming rumors and so on, I am committed to finding pockets of wisdom, and then streaming that out for us, the the Brooklyn Network. Well, Mel, thank you for carving out the time, for sharing your wisdom, your experience with us today. So grateful to have you aboard. And uh, for those of you who've taken a moment to be part of the leadership journey, I've been your guide through it, Bill Search. So glad to have you join us today. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Hey, Small Group Network family, Jason Banzoff here, Group Talk producer and Small Group Network creative arts director. Thank you so much for tuning in this episode of Leadership Journey, and thank you so much to Bill Search and Mel Lorenz for that great episode. Now, before we go, let's talk about virtual lobby. Due to the COVID-19 restrictions in California, this year's annual lobby gathering will be held live online. 
and the lobby is one of the nation's premier small group training and networking events. This year's event will run from 9 a.m. to noon Pacific Standard Time each day, and will start off with a general session in the first hour, followed by various breakout sessions on every small group hot topic you can think of. Speakers include Steve Gladen from Saddleback, Bill Willis from North Point, Jared Kirkwood from Mariners, and Dave Enns from North Coast, and over 40 breakout session speakers. Get 30% off now by using code SAVECASH. That's S-A-V-E-C-A-S-H. Visit smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash events to register you and your team today. And thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.